Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. We are your hosts. I'm Kim France. And I'm Jen Romolini. And we have such a good episode for you guys today. We're so excited for it. We have Val Monroe on the show. Val Monroe coming back. No, you know, Val Monroe's episode, um, Don't Fuck Up Your Face, was one of our most popular episodes ever. And we've been in contact with Val and she was like, I got some new stuff to talk about. And I was like, great, come back on. She's the best beauty person in the business, in my opinion. Like that's she says exactly what you want somebody to say. No, she says she is as no bullshit as any beauty editor. And I've met some smart beauty editors and I've met beauty editors who are no bullshit, but none as no bullshit as Val Monroe. Well, because also she's like, don't buy anything. <laughs> no, it's true. Oh my God. Oh what? my God. What? I thought, <laughs> what? sorry what? listeners. What? I'm in my kitchen. I'm in my dining room, which looks into my kitchen. And I was like, is that a tiny mouse? But it wasn't a tiny mouse, which would have terrified me. It was just a very large roach, which I can handle because I grew up in Texas around roaches. Oh my God. I would so much rather a tiny mouse than a very large roach. <laughs> Pretty large. Like, I would say, it, like, yeah. Breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> Roach at Kim's house. Roach at Kim's house. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know what? I mean, we don't have to do a long intro. We have a long episode. We could just get right into this. You know what? You guys are going to really like this episode. Let's just get into it. We're just going to get into it. Our guest today is Val Monroe. Val is a return Everything is Fine guest who appeared in one of our most popular episodes ever. Val was a longtime beauty director at O, the Oprah Magazine, and she's written hundreds of articles on a wide range of topics for many national publications, including the New York Times. Val writes the popular Substack newsletter, How Not to Fuck Up Your Face, and as of recently, an advice column on the cut of the same name. Welcome, Val. 
Hi, guys. I'm so happy to be here. We're happy you're here. We're so happy to have you back. Yeah, it's so exciting. Thank you. So let's catch up a little bit. You're now writing for a mainstream publication again. You're in your 70s. What was the impetus for this, to write this column? Um, actually, you know, I started it uh, almost two years ago. It depends on when you're going to air this. But okay. I had left the magazine because I really didn't like what was happening to the magazine industry. In other words, I had been at, at the Oprah magazine for a long time, as you say, nearly 16 years. And uh, over the course of that time, I had kind of lost control of what I was able to write about because of what was happening in the industry, in the magazine industry. And I decided it was time for me to leave. So I had some consulting work after I quit. And that was fun, but not challenging in the way I wanted it to be. And someone, one of my friends recommended this new uh, platform called Substack. I looked at it and I thought, wow, that looks interesting. Um, and I had been writing a bit about my various experiences with beauty culture. And so I asked um, some friends on Facebook if they'd be interested in a, in a post or a column called How Not to Fuck Up Your Face. And I got about 200 people, which seems like a lot to me. Yeah. At the time, although now I'm over 10,000 subscribers, which seems amazing. Like wow. Yeah. So, um, so I'm really, really excited about that aspect of it. Um, and the more I wrote, the more exciting it became, the more uh, readers who joined, the more subscribers who joined, uh, the more inspired I was to try to help people figure out how to feel more comfortable with the way they look, with their appearance as they get older. And as you guys know, it's a subject that is it's very rich. Uh, we have lots of feelings about our faces in general and lots of feelings about our faces as we age. And what I say, you know, in the uh, in the cut, the little squib that runs with my post every week is that I'm hoping that we can be more loving witnesses to our our faces as we age, because it's so important to our happiness in general. I saw that when I was I was reading your columns, and I thought that was really remarkable that you had that. And it is, of course, why you've managed to attract 10,000 followers. You know, you wrote in a recent column about good enough aging, mm -hmm. which I thought was really interesting. Can you talk about that a little? Yes, sure. In fact, um, there was one uh, response when that so the cut is syndicating my posts. Amazing. They syndicate three posts a month, and then I write one exclusive for them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so that post was a syndicated post from my original column, and and I was so excited to have come up with this idea that. There is a, a um, psychologist, now his name escapes me, but we'll have to figure out who that is, uh, who wrote about good enough mothering, which basically explains that all a mother has to do is to be attentive to her child's needs and not to respond to every single need because not by not responding to every single of her infant's needs, she allows the child to develop um, her own capability to, um, to take care of herself basically. Right. And I thought about that in terms of how we are kind of nurturing ourselves through the aging process and how important it is to be gentle with ourselves as we're learning to accept, you know, the inevitable changes as we age, including the inevitable changes on our, in our appearance. And so um, the idea is, you know, you don't have to be perfect about looking at yourself and thinking, oh, you know, I'm getting older, but it's okay. As you guys know, it's perfectly fine to look at yourself and go, holy fuck, what is happening to my face? Well, 
I just need to like sit with this and let it be and come back to it when I feel a little better about myself. And I think the, the gentle approach is super important for us as we get older, particularly as we're, you know, coming to terms with how we look as we age, because there's so much cultural crap encouraging us to feel terrible about ourselves, including, um, you know, all of the impossible ideals in our, you know, hypersexual, hyper youth oriented beauty culture. I, I think I think one thing that's interesting though is that um, you know, how to not fuck up your face is all about, as you said, helping women feel more generous about our appearances, right? And be more gentle with ourselves. But I've also read that you got a little bit of criticism for not giving more anti-aging tips. Did that make you rethink the column at all? Like what what happened then? Great question, Jen. Yeah, it did actually. So when I was thinking about how to garner, you know, a, a wider audience, I was thinking maybe I should be more inclusive about, um, you know, what I'm basically writing against, which is succumbing to the pressures of a Eurocentric beauty culture. And the more I thought about that, the more I I felt that I was moving away from my original intention, which was to make ourselves feel more generous with how we age, with how we actually age, rather than how, you know, an unrealistic, the unrealistic standards of a beauty culture suggest we age. And, and basically, you know, it comes down to marketing. And the problem I realized is that what I'm selling, basically, which is generosity, it's very difficult to market because there are no products involved. Right. So, you know, I basically ha- have to keep saying the same thing over and over again, which is bottom line, you must learn to see yourself without objectification. I know I spoke about that with you guys the last time I was on, on your show, but it's yes. really, really important because we have to unlearn the way we've been taught to see ourselves. And that's difficult and it's boring. And it's not a very good marketing tool, but bottom line, it works. I can talk a little bit more about learning how to de-objectify yourself if you're interested in that again. Um, yes. Of course, yes. Yes, of course. So, you know, from the time we're like three, from the time we start looking in a mirror, recognizing that we are who we are. In, in other words, we've developed you know, or, or come in contact with our self-consciousness, mostly little girls, I mean, children in general, but most of the little girls are taught to see themselves as an object to be manipulated or adorned in a way that will be appreciated by another eye. In other words, most likely the male gaze. We learn to see ourselves as something that needs to be fixed or that something is flawed or that it's it's something that, that needs to be changed to meet a particular standard of this whatever happens to be, you know, our idea of what the male gaze is or the, you know, the unreasonable standards of a beauty culture. And that means that as we, as we continue to, I mean, as we grow, we start to scan our faces and our bodies for flaws, which becomes our most, you know, the most constant activity we have when we're looking at our reflection. And it's not, it's, it's not only detrimental to our, our spiritual growth and our spiritual happiness and emotional happiness, it's also very destructive because as we age, our ability or to, uh, to conform only gets more difficult. 
because right. we move farther and farther away from from the standard of beauty. And um, if we learn how not to objectify ourselves, uh, we're not we kind of free ourselves from that destructive activity. You know, my my fiance is is a musician, and he's and he teaches music, and he says that. When he listens to music, he doesn't hear the song anymore. He just hears drums, bass, guitar, vocals. Mm. And I think that at a certain stage, we get to the point with our faces where we're not looking at our face, really. We're looking at like the eye creases, the, the, you know, the labial fold and everything else. It's, we're not looking at the whole thing that is our beautiful face. Right. The na- nasal labial fold, I think you mean. Right. Sorry. <laughs> well, I love you. that. It's so good. Okay, it's so good. Feel free. No, you're not looking at those either, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, there are people who are looking at that too and trying to figure out how to, how to, yeah. how to improve that. Um, also, that that reminds me of something that I think is really important that I thought about recently, which is context. So, you know, as you guys know, I'm in Tokyo now, visiting my family for another couple of months, and unfortunately, the lighting in my apartment here is terrible. And <laughs> I I realized that the lighting that I've constructed at my apartment in New York is so much better. It has a huge impact on how I feel before I leave the house. Mm, yeah. Because I, you know, got the best bathroom lighting in the universe, which is by the way, I, I can't remember, you know, exactly the kind of bulb you need to get. It's in it's in my uh, Substack, one of my columns, but but what you want is lighting on either side, even lighting on either side of your face rather than either uh, light at the top of your bathroom mirror or at the bottom obviously which would be like shining a flashlight up, you know? Right. Oh, wow. So you want even lighting all around. Yeah. And it makes a huge difference on how you look. And my, in my apartment here in Tokyo, I have only one downlight in the bathroom. I look like a fucking ghoul. And (laughs) combined with the fact that here, my main role is Grammy uh, to my five-year-old granddaughter. And so there's this, you know, context here that basically focuses me more on being the elder in this, in my own little culture here. Mm-hmm. Right. Something that I have to deal with when I come, that's, it's not, it's challenging, I have to say. I thought of you guys because I recently looked in this hand mirror that I have, uh, not in the bathroom, but it's as a way to help me feel a little bit better about how I look, which doesn't help very much. And I looked at my face and I just went, Oh my God, I look so fucking old. And I made yeah. myself look at myself until I felt a bit more comfortable with the face I see over here. Mm-hmm. And it just reminded me how challenging it is. And, you know, how I also hate those people who say, Hey, you know, you're an old broad, you know, you're wise, you know, you've, uh, you know, celebrate your wrinkles, embrace your, your jowls. Fuck that, you know. I mean, I know. Fuck that. I was just going to say, fuck that. No, we don't like girl girl boss branding around aging is really odious, really, really obnoxious, and like the judgment too. You know, like after you were on the show last time, um, I I got into it with somebody on Facebook a little bit because the person was saying, well, I mean, how can we talk about how? How can we, you know, so be so self loving if we still get Botox? You know, it's like all or nothing, and what you're saying about good enough aging, like, 
I know for myself, I get a little bit of work because I haven't quite caught up to how old I look, like in terms of my acceptance. And I just want, I, I just am like a little bit of Botox to soften me until I'm ready. And maybe I'll never be ready. And who the fuck cares? We can be so judgmental with other yeah. women about how their process of aging, it's so personal. And we've all been put through the ringer, you know? Right. I think, you know, actually our judgment of other women is basically because we're obviously because we're judging ourselves. But but right. that reminds me of the one of the things I, I think I mentioned in the good enough aging uh, story was that whatever gets you through the night, that's fine. You know, yeah, we're all in the same boat. You know, we're all climbing up that as Jan Morris is fabulous late writer wrote, you know, we're we're all climbing up the rocky road to nowhere. And you know, so what if you need Botox? So what if you, you know, you think you need a facelift? I mean, if that makes you happy, uh, as long as you understand that actually with a facelift, it's not the fact that you're actually going to look better after a Facebook, because after Facebook, after a facelift, because that's, you know, so subjective. But the issue is the result is going to be that if it's successful, um, from your point of view, you're going to have a cascade of more uh, feelings of confidence afterward. You know, you may look better, you may not look better, but how you feel about it is what's going to uh, determine whether it was a, a success. Because if you feel more confident, no matter what you look like, well, then it worked for you, right? I think, you know, the right. most important thing is that you you make every effort to understand what your motivation is. I yep. think, again, about context, you know, the more we can help ourselves feel comfortable with how we look as we age, the easier it's going to be. So one of the problems with seeing ourselves and with our appearance as we get older is that, as you say, we don't feel often, we don't feel as old as we actually are. And I think Jen, Jennifer Sr. in The Atlantic did a story recently about how we, mm -hmm. right? Uh, how yes, it's her. Yeah, how we see our age. Yeah, how we perceive our our own age. And um, and for me, the problem is that because I feel, I also feel about forty five. I'm seventy two, but basically, I forget. You know, when you guys talk about how old you are, I think, well, that's how old I am. And then I remember, well, I could be Jen's mother, probably. You know <laughs> what? And so it's always a shock when I look in a mirror. Like if I'm spending time looking at your faces now, and then I go look in the mirror, and I'm like, "Wow, I forgot that I'm so much older." If we can adjust our expectation about how we're going to look when we see our appearance, that to make it more um, synchronized mm -hmm. with how old we actually are, it's less of a shock when we look in the mirror. So I, I actually think, like for example, my my granddaughter and I were, I was babysitting her over the weekend and we decided to do a Freaky Friday thing where she didn't know what that was, but that's what I was calling it. She put on my jacket and then put on my glasses and she goes, oh, I'm Grammy now. And I, I said, oh, that's so cute. When mommy and daddy come back, I'll put on your tiara and your, uh, you know, your princess gloves and then we'll pretend that we've switched. Right. And she looked at me and she said, Grammy, that's never going to work. I'm like, why? <laughs> She goes, well, you've got wrinkles, Grammy, and I don't. And I said, you, re you really think that's going to be a problem? She said, come with me. She took me over to the mirror. <laughs> oh, my God. And I looked in the mirror. I'm like, holy shit. You know, like that's, that is a really big difference, right? And then I said to her very deliberately, 
oh, you're right. Yes, Grammy does have a lot of wrinkles, especially down around here. And I'm like pointing to my lower face. And I said to her, you know, but I love those wrinkles because those are Grammy's wrinkles. And that's, that's me, you know, it was like, whatever, you know, she goes, <laughs> but, but, you know, feeling more comfortable with that, with my appearance, with who I am now that I'm in my seventies, it's a challenge, but, but it's possible, you know, it just takes work, unfortunately. Can we talk about granny core, which was a big trend last year that I know you hated? Yeah. Well, did I say I hated it? It seems like a very strong word. I just, what I objected to was that it-, it You was, objected. <laughs> thank you. Just another marketing uh, ploy to make money off uh, older people without actually addressing the rampant ageism that is so destructive in our culture. That bottom line was my problem with it. I mean, the other issue was that it was mostly about white people. And, um, you know, right. So uh, that also kind of bothered me the way anything that's only about white people tends to bother me. You know, I didn't, I didn't mind the Nancy Myers, you know, granny core, uh, coastal grandma stuff. Um, Even though it was, uh, again, you know, about upper middle class or upper, you know, economic class white women, Um, because I happen to love that aesthetic. Who doesn't want a Nancy Myers kitchen, right? Right, right. And the pants. I want I all I want is Nancy Meyer's linen pants. I mean, if I could find them that that they didn't look clownish on me. That's what I want. Problem, I think part of the problem is that it is so overly styled in the original stuff, you know, that when you actually go to try to uh to put it together, it looks more like I, I think, you know, that whole like Grammy core, cottage core industry, there's a little aspect a little bit of the Hansel and Gretel Grimm brothers aspect to it, you know, where the Grammy is like in a shawl and there's what are those dresses called like nap dresses and nap nap dresses oh nap dresses yes right I mean that's something like I'm in the summer I'm always in a uh, you know a midi length shift because it's comfortable I don't have to think about and I don't wear underwear in the summer because it's especially in Tokyo it's just it's really really hot and humid which by the way caused a huge problem last summer when my dress blew up over my waist. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and oh God, it was so terrible because, you know, if it had happened in New York, I would have thought, oh, whatever, you know, they've seen plenty worse here. But, but here in this culture where everyone is so respectful and so every everything is so, you know, played by the book and um, discreet, there was a guy, a young guy, probably in his 30s, who happened to catch it. Oh, no. <laughs> And he almost died. I think he almost had a heart attack. Oh, no. And that because he began to apologize so profusely, it was as if he had exposed himself, whereas it was I actually who had exposed myself. And I, <laughs> he was apologizing, and, and then I wound up apologizing to him back. It was just terrible. You're out here on these streets as a flasher, Val. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I know. Plus, you know, the problem is in New York, I'm anonymous, right? But here, because... I'm I'm not Japanese. I look right. very different from everybody else, so it's easy to recognize me. But anyway, about that look, you know, um, you, I think one wants to be very careful when you're styling if you're into you know the Grammy core or cottage core look because you can wind up looking like a fairy tale character and not in a good way. Or like you're in a cult. I also feel like you look like yes. you're in a cult, like a sort of monkish cult is what I think. But, it's so, but the thing about it is, I mean, it is kind of like a cult because the women in cults always are dressed like sister wives. Yeah. Right. 
Right. What does that mean, Val? That like this is what we're fetishizing yeah. or that some people are fetishizing. Yeah, well, it's about covering yourself up, I think, right? And becoming anonymous mm-hmm. and becoming invisible because the more you look like everyone else, the less the less unique you are, you know, the less visible you become. I just think um, you know, the whole sister wife, granny core, you know, I don't know, that it just reminds me of how we are encouraged not to be seen, you know, how we're encouraged to blend in in a way that is really unhealthy. And God forbid, God forbid there be any, any sexual energy emanating from someone of a certain age. Yeah. 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 I was thinking about that too recently about something you said, Kim, in a recent podcast made me think, Oh, I know what it was. It was when you said that you, you're about to turn 59. Did you say? I, I turned 59 last Friday. Yeah. Okay. Happy birthday. And, Thank you. Which, you know, when I think 59, wow, that's, that sounds, you know, you're really getting up there. And then I think, oh, wait a minute. I'm <laughs> she is. But, um, but I was thinking about, you said about, you know, like not giving a fuck anymore, feeling more comfortable with the way you look. Am, am I? Yeah, no, that is true. I think I did say that. So some of that for me has involved, feeling more comfortable has involved giving up focusing on my sexuality as my main attraction point, basically, right. you know, and that was very hard because I always was thinking about that, you know, for me being sexually attractive was about being physically attractive. I, they, the two things were tied together in a way that uh, was very hard to tease out. And very, very slowly as I've gotten older, I've become more comfortable with becoming or feeling myself a different kind of attractive, yeah, which is not asexual, but it's not focused on my sexuality as my uh, as the most attractive aspect of my appearance. Yeah, because it's not about the physical anymore. I mean, I I don't know. I I feel the sexiest when I when I'm the happiest now, which is weird. Like that's not when I used to not feel weird. the sexiest. Like. I, I mean, I feel sexy when I'm happy, when I'm healthy, when I feel like, oh, I'm psyched that this body's working this great today. Mm. You know, like that's when I feel sexy versus before when it was about all kinds of things that had nothing to even really do with me, at least the inside of me. So that is mostly objectification. So, you know, yeah. I when I used to feel sexy because of my appearance, it was because I believed I was being perceived by someone who I might've been attracted to as sexual and as a, you know, as a sexual partner. Right. Right. Now I understand what you're saying, Jen. I, I feel more, uh, you know, I, I feel frisky when I feel healthy, when I feel more centered in my own happiness. Yeah. But I, but I think, you know, the idea of of relying on your objective appeal is detrimental in terms of your, you know, how you feel about everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But the other thing is like one of the advantages of having an age appropriate partner, I think too, is like, it's not like they don't get old, right? And so every, like sexuality becomes about a different thing 
with your long-term partner because it's not like you're just young. Like my husband was 27 when we got together. He does not look 27 anymore. You know what I mean? And so everything becomes different. And if you, you know, so that's, that's one kind of advantage. If you, if you're still attracted to each other that you sort of, that you kind of transform together in, in some ways. I agree. I, I think it's very hard to explain that because when you're in the kind of more youthful sexuality aspect of your of your development, number one, you don't want to let it go because it's so pleasurable, probably, of one hopes, right? right? Number two, like it's like having kids. You, know, you can't really imagine what it's going to be like until you experience it yourself. And of course, the experience is different for everyone. And if you're, I believe, if you're lucky, you'll make a determined effort to keep that aspect of your life alive because I mean I believe that I can tell looking at both men and women who are my age or a little bit younger whether they're fucking or not you know (laughs) I can usually tell I think by looking at them yeah they look happier maybe I don't know they look more energetic I'm not sure but I think if your intention is to keep that aspect of your of your life alive it's really good for you you know, another thing that just apropos of nothing we've been talking about, I was so happy to hear you read you write that you miss your period, because I think I'm the only other person I know who misses getting her period. You, you, you said, like, I don't miss the hormonal part, but I miss my period. Right, right. In fact, um, my editor, when she read that said, you know, are you sure you want to say this? Because so many people have a very, very different response. Um, but I, but I, I was obviously, and, um, you know, the way getting your period ties you to life, basically, you know, to the fundamental aspects of being alive. When you think about it, you know, it's a, it happens in the same way that the tides happen, you know, I mean, it's a really, uh, fundamentally profound experience to have that cycle repeat itself every month. And also it reminds you of your uh, fecundity, you know, like you, you may be able to produce another life, you know, it's just a reminder of, of how powerful that is. Uh, so I still miss it, actually. I, it, again, I don't miss the, the cramps. I don't miss the, the mood swings, but, but it reminded me that I was, you know, that I was alive. And when that goes away, it really does not only physically, um, you know, induce a profound change in the way one feels walking the earth, but but an emotional change as well. Let's take a quick break from some ads. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin. And I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry leading sustainability standards. You know, I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Ah. Okay. So you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. And we're back. I just wanted to get back to that thing. I, I thought of a moment ago when Jen, you were talking about uh, how you change as you get older. I keep reading these stories about, you know, I hate my husband. Maybe you shouldn't be reading them now, uh, Kim. <laughs> so I was thinking about how so many of us go through the same experience with our face. Yeah. You know, so, you know, when we're young, we love our face, you know, our face looks so different and, and it's, and we're attacked, you know, sexually, we feel fine about our face. And, and then as we get older, we look at our face and we have the same kind of response, you know, maybe it doesn't have a beer belly, but we're starting to, you know, jowls. And, um, and I think in, in a way that a similar way that we have to kind of grow with our partner, if we choose to do that, we kind of have to grow with our face. You know, you can't divorce your face, obviously, even though I think a lot of women kind of try yeah. through various procedures or yeah. plastic surgery or whatever. But how much more, how much healthier is it? You know, how much more satisfying it is to learn to live with your face as we get older, as, your, as our face changes, than to try to fight our, what could be our alliance, you know? I mean, basically, we're stuck with it. And yeah. not in a way we're stuck with our partners, but I don't believe that, you know, like when people have plastic surgery or start doing lots of procedures, they don't ever look younger. They look different. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, sim I mean, similarly, if we're going to keep it going, you know, you, you throw the relationship away, you wind up just having the same patterns with another person if you haven't resolved them. I mean, not for everybody, but a lot of people, you know, you're, you're, you're throwing, and believe me, I have ups and downs in my marriage all the time. I've been with my husband 20 years. It's not easy to be married to someone. It's not easy to raise kids together. It's not easy to be two creatives in a relationship, you know, in, in precarious financial situations, like none of it's easy, but 
there's a lot there that keeps me with him. And I could throw it all away because it would be in some ways easier or exciting or sexy or, you know, whatever. And I would, I, there's something about the lived in relationship. I think just like a lived in face is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. I think your analogy is actually is fair, not perfect, but but apt. I'm still stuck on people who are trying to divorce their faces. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, which was like an actually a, a, a genius way of saying what it is that people are trying to do when they get to that, you know, that point with all of it where they don't look like themselves. So, you know, I mean, again, I think if, you know, having a facelift or or certain procedures make you feel better about yourself. If you understand why they're making you feel better about yourself, I say go for it. You know, if you need to do that to feel happier, do it. The issue is that if your if your motivation is to either look younger or to look a way that that you think is going to be more acceptable by culture as a whole, by beauty culture, then you're in trouble because it's not going to make you happy. It's not going to, it's not going to make you feel any better about who you are, nor will it make you feel any better. I don't think about how you look because you're not doing it to make yourself happier. You're doing it to please, you know, that third person, that outside observer. It's not going to restore the power of your youth. Like that specific the power of youthful beauty, there's no plastic surgery in the world that restores that. There's no diet. There's no anything. There's no diet. There's nothing. There's a certain, after a certain age, like there's, there's nothing. And I think the people are like, well, I could chase it. I keep getting these fillers. It's going to, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's, it's something else, but it's not that. Yeah. Which brings me to another uh, important aspect of our beauty culture, which is that everything you see, you know, on social media, uh, and I, I say almost everything you see on social media or, you know, in advertising and marketing, it's fake. Yeah. It's all fiction. So photos you see of women who are my age, for example, most often have been retouched or filtered or, you know, I keep bringing up um, Jane Fonda, who I adore, uh, who I think is brilliant, obviously, yeah. and who I've seen on television. And uh, of course, she's all over social media. She looks fabulous. And she's in her early to mid 80s, early 80s, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I saw her in person once. And um, she looked like a completely different person. Yeah. And I don't want to say, yeah. I mean, she she basically looked desiccated, you know, not at all like mm-hmm. what she looks like in photographs and on television. And I, I think in some ways, you if you're a, like a celebrity kind of person, you have to choose whether you're going to you want to look good on TV or whether you just want to let it go and look good in real life. But, but I think the, the, um, the maliciousness of the, of the culture resides in the idea that that is what she and other women who are her age actually look like that whole Martha Stewart thing. You know, did you guys see the photo? I, that made me so mad, Val. That is such bullshit. No, she, she claims she didn't have any plastic surgery, which just, Right. No, which just can't be. It, it just can't be. It's like, come on, you're over eighty. The jig is up. It's- just, just you could do so much good, Martha Stewart, by just acknowledging that yes, you had work done. These are some fillers, Martha. We see them. We right. see your fillers. That was kind of hilarious. On, on the one hand, I also enraged me um, because she says, you know, how did I get this way? Well, green juice. I drink my green juice. Yeah, that's what the that I would like to know. And then she uses, you know, she has facials every day, twice a day or whatever she said. 
But um, but so I had this idea when I looked at that photo that she took at the sink at, at the Fakai salon, right? She's lying down. Number one, the mirrors at some of those salons are like my bathroom mirror, terrific. So you could right. actually, you know, be a hundred years old and look in one of those mirrors. Because <laughs> of course in the salon, they want you to think you look fabulous. So you'll come back, right. To have your hair done again, right. or at least to get re uh, refilled, renourished by this image that you see in this place. You know, well, I'd go back every day, you know, if I, if I look. <laughs> so I tried taking a photo of myself lying down. Because that photo that she showed on, on Instagram or wherever it was, Twitter, was her with her head in the sink lying down, right? Well, you guys right. try it. You know, lie down and take a photo of yourself in great lighting. You will look 12 years old. I have tried this. You're 100% the right. Lie down, the, li- the lie down photo is a, is, a, is a better photo. I mean, it certainly is because there's no gravity, right? Of course there's no it gravity. is. There are suddenly cheekbones again in a lie down photo. Right, right. So, I mean, I don't know whether she's had plastic surgery or not. I, maybe she's had something done, but I, but I also think that, uh, you know, she's most likely had filler. Oh, come on. She's had filler. There's, there's, it's not most like Val is a hundred percent. She's had filler. It's just like JLo being like, I put olive oil on my skin. I know. I'm like, bitch, you've been getting, you've been getting Botox since 2002. (laughs) With JLo, um, a beauty editor event. Now, I don't know how many years ago, at least 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago. I, unfortunately for both of us, was seated opposite her at a dinner, at a private dinner. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I mean, they couldn't have chosen a worse person to put opposite her because I barely knew who she was, idiotically. (laughs) And I think I was there because they chose me because I was at the Oprah Magazine, of course. But sitting two feet away from her and looking at her, I could not see anything but physical magnificence. She had the most beautiful skin I had ever seen on a human being. The most perfect features. I think she was wearing a turban or something. I can't I can't even remember. All I can I can remember is like the worst first date you can possibly imagine. <laughs> but you know, I thought whatever she's doing at this point is probably it's probably mostly genetics. You know, like I think she of course she works out, of course she's had, you know, various treatments, but that kind of person, just like, you know, kind of like what Chris Rock was saying about Beyonce. And did you see his, his Netflix? Yes, yes, yes. But she's just like the kind of human being, you know, that's very rare to look at. Unfortunately for the rest of us, you know, she does set a standard that is impossible. It's an impossible ideal, but every once in a while, uh, nature hits the jackpot and produces one of these kinds of people. I have to say, I was at, a, at another beauty editor event years and years ago to celebrate a woman who is now my age. Obviously, she was my age then. I guess we were in our early 50s. She's a famous model. And I was also in a face-to-face conversation with her. And I just like could not figure out how she looked the way she looked compared to me. The longer I talked to her, the more I started to feel like Rumpelstiltskin. You know, I was like... <laughs> Oh, I feel like I know who you're talking about, but I'll have to ask you afterward. Probably do. Yeah. And, and I think it was probably at that point, she hadn't had plastic surgery. It was probably mostly filler, neurotoxins, but I've seen pictures of her. Now she's around 72 and she looks really different and not good. Yeah. So there's a certain point after which, you know, you just have to, I, I think you have to let yourself either let it go or 
or reduce your the interventions, the kinds of interventions you're getting? I think my mom did did a really smart thing. Um, she might not like me talking about her plastic surgery, but she's I'm talked going about to. it. She's talked about it on the podcast. She, well, the only person she was keeping it a secret from was my stepfather, and he's dead. Okay, well, and yeah. probably suspected. Um, but she got a facelift when she was fifty, and then she never touched her face again. And so she looks like an actual eighty-five-year-old, but a well-preserved eighty-five-year-old instead of like you know somebody yeah. who suddenly they were doing all this catch-up work with. Well, she gets some Botox every year, though. Too she, I don't know if she still does. She probably oh. does. Well, she, that's what she said last time she was on the podcast. I have no idea. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You're probably right. <laughs> um, no, Val. Just this is. I think this is a really important. Uh, question that I want to ask because a lot of our listeners have just entered this stage of life, just started seeing the changes in their faces. And I think that it's kind of easier to accept age or it gets, you know, it starts to get a little easier in that beginning. It's so terrifying. What would you say to people who are really going into the panic of fuck, 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 oh God, I'm getting older? Just like, what makes me laugh is that you're saying in the beginning, it's so terrifying. Wait until the end. <laughs> okay. Yes. Right. So I have no idea. I mean, look, I'm, I'm 50. Like I've been probably going through my face has been aging for about a decade, let's say, you know, like really started to see it probably 10 yeah. years ago started. Yeah. I, you know, the, the main thing is, and I'm sorry to have to keep coming back to this, but I'm telling you guys. You have to be able to look into your own eyes and see the person who lives there. That works for me every fucking time. And it's not like I, as I said in the beginning, you know, I have moments when I look in the mirror and I go, oh my fucking God, what has happened to my face? And, and, you know, it happened to me fairly recently when I was back in New York. And I guess I'm trying to figure out whether it was, you know, I was about to do some video thing or something and the devil on my shoulder was saying, you need to look better than this. You know, for some reason, you need to look more youthful. You need to yeah. look health. I don't know what. And, and I made myself look into my own eyes. And it's a creepy experience at first. It always is. And I've been doing it for a long time. But when I was able to see myself, it elicited enormous compassion. Because for me, at least, it brings up all of those you know, those tender feelings for a person who has been encouraged to be unhappy with who she is from the get go. And of course, you know, I'm just talking about my face right now. But it's not just your face that is, you know, uh, influenced by by feeling bad about your appearance, right? It's your whole self, right? And when I feel more compassionate about that person who's looking out of those eyes. I feel more comfortable with how I'm perceived. And I think that's because I'm feeling more generous with the world in general. So the feeling, I mean, when Kim, you said, you know, like, fuck it, I don't care. And, you know, I I don't care what people think. For me, it's more like I, I do care what people think, but I feel more generous about what they think. So you can think whatever you want to think about how I look, but I'm fine with it. Right. Right. So um, think whatever you want to think, but it doesn't affect me. That's your stuff, not mine. And I think looking at myself grounds me in that way so that I'm basically, you know, walking through the world, um, looking out rather than feeling like I'm just being looked at. And the experience of being a looker rather than a looked at completely in my experience, completely changes my experience Mm -hmm. of the world. Because then there's like all of this 
wonder, basically, all of this stuff that's incredibly awesome that you're not aware of if you're focusing constantly on, oh, my God, how do I look? You know, um, how am I being perceived? When you're the perceiver, then, you know, every, I mean, this sounds very woo and kind of goofy, but every moment is potentially magical because there's so much coming in all the time. I mean, if you think about just even the most mundane tasks, like the obvious one that people often bring up is like doing the dishes. If you're in the moment doing the dishes, you know, feeling the suds in your hands or, you know, like smelling, you have a, you, you're using a really nice dishwashing liquid or something, you know, that also can be a delicious experience when you're not thinking about, well, you know, does my hair look okay? Or, you know, is, does my ass look big? Yeah. Um, letting go of that stuff is, uh, is very liberating. You know, Val, you're just the best. I love having I you know. on the show. Thank you so much for coming back on again. You're the best. I was going to ask you a bunch of beauty product questions, but I think it's better to just end it here because this is much more inspiring. <laughs> this is the best. It really is, Val. I want to just suggest that, uh, you know, because I thought you might want to ask about skincare, that the the post that I did called, you know, easy, effective, and inexpensive mm-hmm. is a good one to go to because it, I suggest three products only, and um, and I think they're the best best three products you can use, and you really, really, really don't need anything else. <laughs> Thank you, Val. Thanks again, Val, for coming back on. My pleasure so much. Thanks for listening to Everything is Fine. We are your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. If you like the show, please rate and review it on all the platforms. It really helps make a difference, um, especially Apple Podcasts help people find the show. If you want to see us live and in person, I forgot to say this earlier, we are, I think there are still our tickets available for our April 9th show at Caveat. That is in the show notes. If you want to support the production of the show and help us keep the lights on, you can go to patreon.com backslash everything is fine. If you want to find Kim, you can find Kim on her blog, girlsofacertainage.com. You can find me on tinyletter.com backslash Jennifer Romolini. We are on Instagram at EIF Podcast. We are on Facebook with a private and robust Facebook group. You can email us at everythingisfinethepodcast at gmail.com with any feedback. We love feedback. (laughs) The show is mixed and edited by the great Natalie Rivera. Thank you, Natalie. We'll be back next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.